You know, God did not withhold anything good from us. Mainly, He did not withhold His Son from us. Amen. Hallelujah. He did not withhold His Son. You know, in Sabbath school, we were kind of talking about sins and big sins, little sins, white sins, black and white, whatever. You know, sometimes our lives are a mess. And we may know others that their lives are a mess. But you know, God used many people whose lives were kind of a mess. I mean, come on, read the Scriptures. You will find that many of them, there were a few that were, you know, I think of Daniel, he was not a mess. But there were some that was a big mess. What a mess. He made of things, I titled this. I don't know if it was a very good title or not. But we're going to learn of a man today that his life was pretty much a big mess. He made a mess of things. If you have ever read the book of Judges, if you ever read chapters 13 through 16, you'll understand what I'm saying. We're going to talk and we're going to learn about Samson today. Who was Samson? He was like the Hercules of the Hebrews, if you will. A great and a man with supernatural strength. Strength beyond, I mean, he would probably, he could probably whip Goliath with one hand. Seriously. You all know who David, David, of David and Goliath. He could probably take Goliath on with one hand because he had the power of God in him. A mighty, powerful, strong beyond anything we could imagine. That was Samson. That was Samson. God used him. Used him in a big way. But yet, his life was kind of a mess. He made questionable decisions in his lives. Seemed like he was compulsive in making his decisions. So, let's turn to Judges chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. It's actually kind of a short scripture reading, but there's plenty more. Don't, get, don't be worried. Again, again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for forty years. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, or not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. May God add His blessings to the hearing and the reading of His holy word. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do praise You and magnify You. We thank You for Your holy word. We thank You that Your Word reveals to us the men and women that You use to carry out Your plans and purposes. And Father, we just thank You that Your Word also shows Your love and Your patience with us. Father, we're going to learn today of Your patience with Samson. But Father God, I just pray that Your Spirit would be in this place. May Your Spirit guide and direct each heart and mind. And Lord, may every word spoken be for Your glory and for Your honor, Father. May some come to know that you will forgive us even if we are a mess. 
Father God, that you are loving and kind and forgiving, Lord. May we receive that today. Lord, I just pray that, uh, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' precious name, amen. The very first verse begins with an all-too-common theme concerning the nation of Israel, doesn't it? Many, many, many times in the Scriptures, we're going to find words or words similar to these that says, again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of God. It may be worded a little bit different, but you'll find many, many times where they turned their back on God and started following the ways of their neighbors. And God would deliver them into the hands of their enemies. This time it happened to be the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. But it seems like they kept failing in the same way over and over and over again. Recently I preached from Judges chapter 6 and we learned of Gideon. Gideon was another one of the judges. We're in the period of the judges. They didn't have kings yet. Gideon was a judge that God chose to be judge. And one of the first things that he commanded Gideon to do was go and tear down the altar to Baal that his father had erected, cut down the Asherah poles, remove the idol worship. Remove it. They kept doing the same thing over and over again. They kept worshiping the false gods of their neighbors. They wanted to be like them. You know, it reveals something though about our enemy. Who's our enemy? Satan. It reveals something about our enemy. When he finds something that works against us, he'll keep using it. He'll, maybe he'll change the method up a little bit, but he'll keep using it. Whether it's against an individual or against a nation, he'll keep using the same method to cause them to fail. He'll find our weakness, if you will, and that's where he is going to attack. I found a very interesting illustration the other day, used by David Jeremiah, he said, now, just got to use your imaginations now. If Satan had an office, and in that office he had a big old file cabinet, you'd probably be surprised you could pull out a file and look up H. or Higson. He's going to have a file on you. And in that file, he would have listed the things that he's tried to make you fail that didn't work. Well, he's not going to use those, but he's going to get down that list and find the things that did work. And guess what? That's where he's going to keep attacking. He might change it up a little bit, but he's going to keep attacking that same weakness, trying to make you stumble. Believe me, he wants all of us to stumble. Your file might say, well, John has a frequency to gossip. Well, you know what Satan's going to do? He's going to start whispering lies about your neighbors and friends in your ear to make you gossip. Well, it could be that Susie has a tendency to be quick-tempered. So Satan's going to cause her husband to come home and do something to make her mad and make her snap. Maybe little Joey's prone to coveting. Not little Joey, big Joey. He's prone to coveting. You know what he's going to do? He's going to make you look at your neighbor's wife and say, because she's so much more beautiful than my wife. Oh, my neighbor's house is so much better than mine. My neighbor's cars are so much better than mine. That's what he's going to do. He's going to find your weakness. And that's where he's going to attack. Israel kept longing to be like their neighbors. They kept forgetting about the one true God. 
and following after the false gods. My friends, because the neighbors had a God that they could see. Think about that. They had an object that they could see. And actually, you know, we worship the invisible God. But they wanted something that they could see, something that they could bow down to and worship. And remember this about our enemy. He'll start out small. He'll chip away. He'll chip away at our moral values just a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. Look at our nation, friends. The things that 50 years ago were an awful abomination, we don't even wince at today. I am old enough that I can remember, this is crazy, I can remember when they, on a television commercial, if they were advertising women's undergarments, they were on a mannequin. Everyone knows what a mannequin is in, right? That's the thing they put clothes on that stands in the store. I can remember those days. I'm revealing my age, right? If they was under or advertising, they would have a woman out there explaining it to them, but she wouldn't be wearing it. Today they walk around half naked in, adverti- in advertisement on TV. And we don't even wince at it. Chip away, chip away at our moral values, our standards. A little compromise here and a little compromise there. That's how Satan attacks. A little bit here, a little bit there. You know the good news that we see in Judges? That God is gracious. Even though they failed again in the same way, God was preparing to deliver them. He was preparing to have mercy on them again, to be gracious to them. Praise the Lord. Romans 5.20 tells us, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. My friends, this is not an excuse to sin. Oh, grace abounds. I can do anything. No. Jesus said, go and sin no more. We just said that in Sabbath school. God's grace is greater than all of our sin. It's not an excuse to go sin. Let's get back to Samson. The announcement of the birth of Samson, who was to be a judge over Israel, actually a type of Savior or Deliverer. He had, there were some similarities in the announcement of Samson's birth to that of John the Baptist and Jesus. If you remember, an angel appeared to Zechariah, John's father, and told him, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a son. He's going to prepare the way for the Savior. Of course, we know that an angel appeared to Mary and also to Joseph, appeared to Mary to tell her that she was going to be, the Holy Spirit was going to come upon her and she was going to conceive in her the Holy One that would save the world from their sins. Appeared to Joseph, say, don't be afraid to take Mary because that which is in her is of the Lord. An angel appeared to Samson's mother. God is preparing to deliver His people. You are going to have a son. He is going to be a Nazarite. He is going to begin to deliver God's people from the hands of the Philistines. What is a Nazarite? It is a Jewish person that was consecrated to God by a vow to avoid drinking wine, drinking alcohol. They were never to drink it. He was to avoid cutting his hair. Never was a razor to cut his hair. And he was not to defile himself 
by being in the presence of or touching a corpse, anything dead. So he was consecrated even before birth because the angel told her she was to drink no wine or to eat anything unclean. Judges 13.7 says, And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. My friends, do we not know today, do not doctors know today that a woman that is pregnant, how important it is that she take good care of her body? should not smoke, should not drink, should not do so many things if she wants to have a good, healthy baby. Sadly, many today do drugs and all kinds of things when they're pregnant. And we see the effects of that. So even his mother had to be careful. There was to be no wine entered into his system even in the womb. Life, we know where it begins, doesn't it? The moment of conception. If you had an encounter with an angel, an angel of God that informs you that you were going to have a child, I'm speaking to the women here, right? <laughs> that you were going to have a child that was going to be used of God. Well, actually, God could tell the man, right? Your wife's going to have a, have a child, right? And this child is to be set apart for the work of the Lord. Wouldn't you be diligent to teach that child of the ways of God? Wouldn't you be diligent to encourage that child to make good and godly decisions in their life? Wouldn't you? Yes. Okay. Maybe everyone's asleep out there this morning. You know, most responsible parents today, even if they're not a Christian, most responsible parents today do try to encourage their child to make good choices, to guide them in the decisions they make. But we all know that often they fail to follow the advice of their older and wiser parents, don't they? They choose to make their own mistakes. Yes, we have, right? We've chosen to make our own mistakes. When it comes to mistakes, Samson made a plenty. Plenty of mistakes. Back in Judges 14, verses 1 through 3. Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a, whim, a woman of Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughter of the Philistines. Now therefore, get her for me as a wife. Get her for me. Kind of sounds like a spoiled brat, doesn't he? Get her for me. I've seen this beautiful woman down there. Get her for me. His mother and father, could you imagine their frustration? Man, we tried to train you. Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or all of my people that you must get a wife from these uncircumcised Philistines? Samson said, get her for me, for she pleases me. They had to be so frustrated. They knew. They knew that he was special, chosen by God. They knew that God had divine plans for him. They were faithful to God, faithful to training. But yet, he chose to intermarry among the Philistines. The Word tells us not to be unequally yoked together. The nation of Israel were not to intermarry, but they did. 
Samson wanted to also. Get me that wife. Get me that woman. I love her. She pleases me well. It's evident that she was a beautiful woman. It caught his eye. He was drawn to her by her outward beauty. Obviously, he wasn't drawn to her by her virtue. Obviously, he wasn't drawn to her because she worshipped the one true God. Because she was of the Philistines. They worshipped the pagans. But his parents might not have understood that even this, him joining himself to this Philistine, his enemies, was an extraordinary providence of God. God was going to use this. It was a strange method. God can use strange methods because He's God, right? He can use strange methods. Romans 8.3 tells us that God sent His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He took on Himself our sin. So you see, Samson, in a way, was joining himself to the uncircumcised Philistines, taking on, he was becoming part of it, taking on sin. He joined Himself to them. My friends, this was God's plan. So His Father goes down. Okay, He goes down to Timnah to try to get this woman for His Son. So we'll read Judges 14, 5 through 16. <clears throat> so Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyard of Timnah, vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he tore the lion apart as one would have torn a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand, meaning he did it with his bare hands. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some out of his hand and went along eating it. Now, what's the Nazarite supposed to do? Not touch anything dead, right? He reached right in there, grabbed a handful of honey. And when he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them, and they ate. They also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So his father went down to the woman, and Samson gave a feast there, for young men used to do so. And it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. Then Samson said to them, Let me pose a riddle to you. And if you can correctly solve and explain it to me within the seven days of the feast, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. But if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linens of garment and 30, clothes, 30 changes of clothing. And they said to him, Pose your riddle that we may hear it. So he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Now for three days they could not explain the riddle. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us, or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? Then Samson's wife wept on him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You have posed a riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained it to me. 
You hate me, she says. He's play, she's playing with his emotions. You know, wasn't Samson's life kind of a riddle? It was. It was. Remember Judges 13, it said, God shall begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. These events, all of these events, God was using. The killing of the lion, the bees and the honey, the riddle, the riddle. Samson would begin to take vengeance because whenever his wife tricked him into revealing the riddle, she goes and tells it to her companions. She's fearful for her life and her father. She's trying to save her household. So she gets the riddle and tells it to them. And then they tell Samson. He knows. He knows that she is the one that revealed it to him. To them. So he gets angry. Samson gets angry. He's mad at her. He goes down to Ashkelon. And he killed 30 men and took their apparel and gave it to the ones who explained the riddle. He begins taking his vengeance. See, this is just the beginning. Remember the illustration that the devil had a file? File? Well, Samson would say his weakness is women. He is easily enticed. He's easily persuaded to reveal secrets. His wife wept on him, and he revealed it. Judges 14.4 says, But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. You see, they didn't know it, but God was using it. God was using Samson's supposed disobedience to go against the Philistines. So he was very angry. Very angry because of her trickery. He left her there. He didn't take her home with him. He left her there, went back home with his father and mother. As it would happen, after a while, he begins to think about his beautiful wife down there. Well, I'm going to go get her. I've cooled down. My anger, anger has subsided. I'm going to go get my wife. And he goes down, and what do you think happened? You've probably read the story. His father-in-law gave her to one of his companions. Gave her away. I gave her away because I thought you hated her. I thought you didn't want her. He gave her to someone else. That, my friends, aroused his anger again. So the next extraordinary feat against the Philistines, not only was Samson a giant of a man and strong, he had to be quick on his feet. I mean, he had to be extremely fast. Because what he did next, he caught 300 foxes. 300 foxes. He tied them tail to tail and put a torch between them. So they're running all over the land. They burned down all of the standing grain, the vineyards, and the olive groves, the shocks, all of it. They were burned down in an entire region there because of these fox with the torches between their tails. So amazingly, he caught 300 fox. This enraged the Philistines. Who did this? When they found out it was Samson, they go up to Judah. And there, they're like, we're, Judah's like, what are you coming against us for? Samson has burned down 
our fields, our vineyards. Give them to us. So the people of Judah go to Samson. Now this, he's supposed to be their judge. Right? Their leader. But they go to their leader. Why have you angered them? They've come against us. They, they've come to arrest you. He says, okay, go ahead. Tie me up. Tie me up. They tie him up with ropes. Samson's pretending that these ropes are going to hold him, right? He is. They tie him up. Away they go. They lead him away, taking him back down to the Philistine. So there, when he gets there, you know what happens to them ropes? They melt away like wax. Poof. Samson single-handedly took the jawbone of a donkey and killed 1,000 men. By himself, 1,000 men. Not only did he have to be strong, he had to be a mighty warrior, fast beyond our imagination, an amazing strength beyond our imagination. You know, Samson judged Israel for 20 years. And when we read the story of Samson, we don't read of any of the judgments he made. We don't read where he led the army of Israel in the battle like we did Gideon and Jephthah. We don't read that. But you know, in 20 years, I think there's things that probably happened in Samson's life that we are not, just, we are not told in the Scripture. There's probably another amazing things he did. This is kind of like the highlights of his life. The extraordinary things. But it seemed like he was kind of reckless. He would fly by the seat of his emotions. Not pants. He'd fly by the seat of his emotions, didn't he? Judges 16, 1-6. through 6. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. When the Gazites were told Samson has come, they sound, surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night saying, In the morning when it is daylight we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them up bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Afterward it happened. I'm just going to pause there for a moment. You might think, come on now. Pulling up the doors, the gates of the city and the, the, the anchors that held them down and carrying them to the top of the mountain. I don't care how big they were. I don't care if those doors were only 7 feet tall. I don't care if they were 20 feet tall. He pulled, the, the word tells us, he pulled them up and carried them to the top of the hill. My friends, God that created this earth, his strength and his might was in him. So believe me, if the word tells you that Samson carried them gates up there, he did it with the strength and the might of God that was in him. Afterwards, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him to find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and with what you may be bound to afflict you. Same old story. Samson, again, 
is worn down by this woman. It's just crazy. Because he would tell her a fib, if I am bound with a certain type of rope, I cannot break it. So she, while he was sleeping, she'd tie him up. And then she'd say, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he'd jump up and the ropes would be broken. And then she'd say, you lied to me. And he'd tell her another fib. This went on and on. Finally, she wore him down. She wore him down to the point where he said, okay, my strength is in my hair. If my hair is cut, I will be like an ordinary man. No supernatural strength. No superhero. I'll just be like weakling old Ronnie there. Yeah. Seriously, cut, cut my hair. That's going to do it. So Delilah cuts his hair in the middle of the night while he lays sleeping. And then she calls the guards and they come in. Sure enough, he's just as weak as I am. They bind him. They bind Samson. He cannot break the ropes. But not only that, they afflicted him. They took hot rods, rods, put them in fire, and they put his eyes out. They put his eyes out, both of his eyes. Then they took him and he was bound to push this big old stone wheel around to grind the grain. Samson lost his strength. This man was chosen by God to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. The Philistines like to gather in their big coliseum and be entertained. So they said one day, bring Samson out. Bring Samson out that we've enslaved, that he might entertain us. And there were over 3,000 in that coliseum, or that arena, whatever you want to call it. Some were up on the roof. Well, the young lad that brought Samson out, Samson says to him, take me to the pillars. Take me to the pillars that support this place. So the young lad takes him up to the pillars. And Samson stands there between them two pillars. And in Judges 16, 28-30, Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. My friends, what did the thief that hung beside Jesus call out? Remember me, Lord. Samson says, Remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the, the death that he, yeah, so the dead that he killed at his death were more than he killed in his life. He killed many that day. God strengthened him one last time. You know, we may think that we're beyond saving. We may think, well, I'm too bad. I'm too wicked. I've disobeyed God too many times. I've failed Him. Is not Samson's life proof that God can use us? That God can forgive us? Remember me, God. Remember me. That was Samson's repentance. Remember me. God, I have failed you, but remember me this one last time. 
My life's a big old mess. But my God is a gracious God. Amen? Romans 7, 24 and 25 says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. When you think of what they did to Samson, where was his weakness? His weakness was in his eyes. He lusted after the flesh. He lusted after that beautiful woman. Them beautiful women. Was it not? It was the lust of the eyes. And what did they put out? They put his eyes out. They no longer lusted after the women because his eyes were put out. He had to be broken. He had to be broken. My friends, sometimes we have to be broken. God will remove that thing that can cause us to lust or whatever sin our sin may be. I added a scripture. Actually, I just added it this morning. Romans chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. God had to crucify the flesh in Samson. Allow them to put His eyes out. My friends, allow God to crucify the flesh. We are crucified with Christ. That's what that says. And allow that crucifixion to do away with the sin in our flesh. And allow His Spirit to fill us, to rule us, to guide us. You know, as I was thinking about this, the Lord was speaking to me even this morning. You know, all week I think about it and prepare, but He speaks up to me in the last moment. There's Samson stretching out his arms between those two pillars, right? To try to deliver, try to save His people Israel. My friends, the one that stretched out His arms for us, Jesus Christ. Come to Him and allow Him to crucify the flesh in you. And live for Him. We serve a risen Savior. He stretched out His arms and died. But my friends, He arose. As we just celebrated Easter. He arose. We too have the hope of eternal life. In Him. Because of what He did. Amen?